Let's open God's Word tonight. We'll have two texts. The first is in Luke chapter 18, the verses 1 to 8, and then we'll read 1 Thessalonians 5, the verses 17 and 18. Luke chapter 18, we'll read the verses 1 to 8, which will form the background of the words of Christ for our message tonight. Beloved, have you ever heard the voice of God speaking? What we are about to read are the words of Jesus Christ, which the Holy Spirit placed upon the paper before us, and which the Father spoke to the Son, because the Son said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so what we are about to read is to hear and listen and see the Word of God Himself, the Triune God. Luke 18 says this, And He told them a parable, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let us now go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to 18 says this. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. As far the reading of God's holy word, let us pray for a blessing. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that these words that we have read will not only enter into our consciousness and our minds, but that they would enter into our heart and bear fruit in every part of our life. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Heidelberg Catechism, we have arrived at Lord's Day 45 which starts our discussion in the Catechism on Prayer. And I'll read to you the questions and answers from 116 to 117. Listen to these words. Why do Christians need to pray? The answer, because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God gives His grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly. Asking God for these gifts and thanking Him for them. Question 117. How does God want us to pray so that He will listen to us? First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God, who has revealed Himself in His Word, asking for everything He has commanded us to ask for. Second, we must acknowledge our need and misery, hiding nothing, and humble ourselves in His majestic presence. Third, We must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. 
This is what he has promised us in his word. That's what the catechism tells us on prayer, or at least two points that it uh, brings us our attention to in prayer. But I want to think and start by the Apostle Paul and his words that he places to the Thessalonians and to us tonight. He says and writes, pray without ceasing. And he says to give thanks in all circumstances. Paul is describing for us a life of prayer and thanksgiving. And not a life in which there is prayer and thanksgiving, but a life of prayer and thanksgiving. A life of constant communication with God. Or a life of walking with God. Jesus tells us something similar in the text that we read. It says that we ought always to pray and not to lose heart. We ought always to pray. Remember, the Father is speaking to the Son, and the Son declares this by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the triune God tells us that we ought always to pray and not to lose heart. And then Jesus shows us that prayer is faith. I think this is one of the most sad and difficult verses in the Bible. In Luke 18, 8, I tell you, God will give them answers quickly. And then he says this, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, that is when Jesus returns, will he find faith on earth? Will Jesus find faith when he returns? Now remember what he's talking about. He is speaking about prayer. And it's the type of faith that is required and seen in prayer. When Jesus returns, will he find a praying people? And what, it, what comes through is that most likely there will be very few people that pray as Jesus calls us to pray. Jesus expects very few to pray with faith. He expects that the majority of mankind and even Christians will lack prayer and faith. Beloved, if the Son of Man would come tonight, will He find faith in our hearts? Will He say, well, this is a praying people. These people look like that widow who kept on coming. And these are people who trust me and ask me. They live their lives focused on me and constantly asking, or will the words of Christ come true in the sense that he will not find much faith here? Have we found better solutions than God? Have we exchanged true prayer by what the Pharisees were doing at the time of Jesus Christ? Much prayer, much speaking to God, but very little faith. What God doesn't call prayer. How about us tonight? Are we people who pray without ceasing? Did you see what the catechism says? Prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness of God that God requires of us. Now we could discuss this. The Heidelberg Catechism obviously is not scripture. Uh, We could say that obedience to God is the most important part and prayer is part of that. Uh, But the point still stands 
that prayer is a very important, if not the most important part of the Christian life. We often put the Bible reading first, and the Bible reading is, is important, but the first couple of centuries of the church, nobody really could read the Bible. Or, nobody is exaggerating, but very few people could read. Let's say 10% of the church was able to read. The rest would only depended on listening to the Bible and trying to remember what the authors or what the readers had read to them. The Christian life from the beginning was a life of prayer. A life of constantly talking with God and bringing all our requests known before the throne of God. Beloved, the scriptures and Christians from the past tell us that the Christian life that is found in scripture is a life of faith-filled prayer. A lifestyle of prayer. I'm with two brothers. We're going through the text of the Bible in the original language. And, and it, it speaks about participles. There's a lot of participles. And I like to describe participles as the attitude of life. Or, or the, what a life is characterized by. That we should have a life that is characterized by prayer. Now we might do other things like work and raise a family and visit our grandkids and those kind of things. But those are secondarily under this main occupation of life, a life of prayer. A life of following after God. That is the marvelous Christian life in the New Testament. And if you think about this, it is a glorious life, isn't it? To be able to walk around and to speak to the, to the Most High constantly. To walk as the disciples walked with Jesus, so to walk with God. Wherever we go, constantly speaking to God, relating to God, bringing all our cares to God. And expecting God to answer. Now, Jesus makes it clear that this will be a rarity when Jesus returns. And as we are living in the last days, as so many of us recognize, whether that be now or however many years, we live in the last of the last days. It means that this faith-filled life of prayer must be a rarity in our days. That we have settled for something less than this life of unceasing prayer. And so we must conclude that there is much prayer, but little this type of prayer. There is much decorum, but little essence. There is much prayer being done that God did not consider prayer, but that is a prayer to self. But this is not what we're called to. We are called to live in a personal, real, loving, may I say glorious relationship of prayer with God. And beloved, if you think that this is going to be a prayer in which you get beaten over the head as you must pray more, you've got it all wrong. This is God's heavenly invitation into a life of unceasing prayer. I want you to drink and not be overwhelmed. This is an invitation for you and for me. This is not a Select few type of message. This is the life of prayer for all. You who are sitting here in the pews, those who watch over the live stream, those who listen on the radio, it's for you. The call is to you tonight to pray without ceasing. To live a life 
of prayer, to, to wake up tomorrow, and to begin with prayer. And as you go through your days to be in constant conversation with God, that, that endless running around in your own mind and worrying and anxiety and going back and thinking about random things, that that is being replaced by a life of constant prayer to God. Unceasing prayer. Now I think it is important that we discover what this type of prayer is and how we can grow in this prayer. You will see the questions or the, the, the three points in your bulletin. We'll start with this. What, is it, what it means to pray without ceasing. What did the Apostle Paul mean when he said pray without ceasing? In the original, it's simply two words. Unceasing pray. Without stopping pray. And never lack prayer. Always be praying that idea. Now it does not mean never do anything else but prayer. It doesn't mean that we stop eating, uh, that we stop working, that we shut the doors of our house and from now on we pray until the end of our lives. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're on your knees with your arms, with your hands folded, with your eyes closed in prayer. And yet, it is not far removed from that. That's actually pretty close to what Paul is speaking about. So often I hear people say about this, well, it doesn't mean always praying. It just means that you pray on a regular basis. I don't think that's what it speaks about. Because a regular basis could be once a week or maybe once a day. But it speaks about unceasing prayer, constant prayer. And even though this type of prayer is not always in our prayer room or in our, our closet or wherever we like to pray when we're completely alone and where we can focus in prayer, it's not always there. But it's a life of constant prayer, of walking and talking with the Most High. It describes a life of constant communion with God. And we can all live that no matter where you work. Even if you're an air traffic controller, you can be in constant communion with God at any time. Now, to understand this, I want us to, to maybe take a step back and see what Paul is responding to. He is speaking to people who had a tendency or were in danger of not living a life of prayer. They were in danger of praying sometimes or with some sort of regularity, but not constantly. I think he's speaking about us. He's speaking to people who prayed at times, because otherwise he would just say pray. They prayed at times, but they were not living in prayer. And Paul is saying, sometimes perhaps you pray, but I want you to pray like this all the time. I want you to live constantly, and you see the things he puts together, prayer and thanksgiving. Live a life of constantly praying to God, asking, and give thanks to God. There's a type of prayer life that is intermittent, on and off. Maybe on Monday, and then on Wednesday. But not Monday all the day, and Tuesday all the day, and Wednesday all the day. It's the type of prayer that flourishes when there are pressing needs. 
or when there's a great blessing that rolled into our lives. But when life is calm and normal, it is cooled down. And then when there's a need, we come to pray again. We see God answer, we thank Him, and then life settles down and we're kind of in the middle. We're busy with other things. A type of prayer life that is systematized in a few short prayers during the day. A type of cold-hearted, may I say, tradition that lacks true communion. A life that becomes, where prayer becomes a habit. Something where we're more conscious of that we have to do it than that we're actually doing it. Now this is the kind of life that Paul is responding to when he says, pray without ceasing. And this is the life that Jesus is calling us out of when he gives us the parable. He says to pray always and never to lose hope. You see, the Bible gives us a focus on prayer for every direction. On the one hand, it says it stirs us up and it carries us on from behind and it helps us to push up that hill. And on the other hand, it tells us, come up here. You got to come here, right? In every possible way, it seeks us and stirs us up to come to this place of prayer. Why? Why? Why is that? Is it simply because it's a commandment to pray always? Is it because God loves to pray and otherwise He he doesn't feel like we need Him enough or something of that sort? Or is it vital for our health and for our life to be a bright and shining light of the gospel here on earth. It's vital. And I think we we have the idea that we live through life and that if we would pray, we would live a better life. Like we have an average life now and it's a pretty good average Christian life. But if we would really begin to live in prayer like this, then we would live a super good Christian life. Maybe now we're in the 30-fold bearing fruit, but if we would live in prayer, maybe we'd make it to 60 or 100-fold. That's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that this life of prayer, this constant prayer, is necessary for the Christian life. It is how we ought to live. Otherwise, we live like a fish on the shore. We might have a little bit of water every now and then, but we're barely breathing and we're barely dying. God wants us to be in the ocean, so to speak. In the water, in prayer, in constant communion with God. There are so many in in our day that are constantly hungry for God. Which is a good thing. They say, I wish there was more in the Christian life. I wish I would rejoice more in the love of God. I wish I was nearer to God. I see that grace and love are are good things. And I see that they're beyond me. But I wish I can taste and see that the Lord is good. I've seen it at times. I remember when I I heard the gospel here. Or or when I heard that sermon. Or was at that conference. Or I was speaking with it. I remember that. But I wish it was a constant. A daily refreshing from God. What is missing? Is a life of prayer. A life of unceasing prayer. Think about the Israelites in in the desert. How often were they to get their manna? Daily. 
constantly. Prayer, if you talk about the Christian life as the physical substance, the word is like eating. You need to eat regularly. But prayer, beloved, is like breathing. You need to pray constantly. If you want to live healthily, be in constant communion with God. And the amazing thing is, God calls us to this. He wants us to speak constantly to Him. To constantly relate to Him. He loves His people. And there are things in your life which you think are too silly to share with someone else. You might look at yourself and you, you're concerned about little things and you're embarrassed if you share them with, with other people. They're going to say, what a first world problem. But God wants you to relate everything with Him. And once you begin to walk in this path, beloved, you'll begin to become spiritually minded. That the things and the cares of this world are no longer attacking your, your heart and your desires and your passions. But you begin to see spiritual things. And you will start to have great grief over the lost, but great joy in Christ. You will begin to see God actually moving in your life. In more ways than you can imagine at this point. So what is it to pray? It's a life in which a believer seeks God constantly and persistently because he believes and sees God as his greatest need and good in life. Beloved, you know this, but you live. Do you live like this? You know that God is the greatest good, right? But do you live as though He's the greatest good? Beloved, in an active prayer life, it is a life that draws the believer to prayer constantly, verbally, out loud, or quietly, on your knees, or walking, or driving, constantly speaking to God. When He wakes up in the morning, He prays. When he makes breakfast, he prays. Uh, when he drives in the car to work, he prays. Uh, when he walks in a park, he prays. Uh, when he's working at work, every now and then there'll be prayers constantly. Say, Lord, help me to do this for your glory. When she sweeps the floor, she prays. When she's out there helping the poor and needy, she prays. When she cleans, she prays. When, he ma when she manages, she prays. Beloved, I wish that you would see the yearning heart of God for our prayer. You might say, well, God is perfect in Himself. He doesn't need anything. No, He doesn't. He's perfectly in joy and yet he longs for us to pray to Him. Why else would He let Psalm 42 be written? As the deer pans for the water, so my soul longs for you. That is written by the Holy Spirit so that we get a stirring in our soul. Beloved, think about a young man who is in love with a girl. What is he thinking about? He's thinking about her. Now, is he only thinking about her? No. 
He might think he's always thinking about her, but he's got to do other things. Right? He's working, he's going to school or whatever he's singing, but he's constantly thinking of her. It's dominating his life. Every spare moment, so to speak, in his mind, he draws towards her. Now a life of prayer is constantly drawn towards Christ in that way. It is unceasing. It's constant. It's constantly living for God. And beloved, you need to start that in the morning. You need to draw your heart, so to speak, to God as early as you arise. Don't make it out the door before you've eaten God's Word and lifted your voice up in prayer to speak to God. And then to ask Him, Lord, stir up my heart all the day to pray. Have you ever had that you oversleep and then you're outside the door and before you know it, it's noon and you haven't wakened your soul in prayer and the life is, is slow and you're, you're almost like the flesh begins to press in and it's hard to be in the Word and it's hard to pray and to start early in the morning. To feed our heart upon the Word of God and to start with the best energy for the most important part of the day. To seek God. John 5, 19 to 20, describes the intimacy that Jesus had with the Father. If you're talking about a busy life, read about the life of Jesus. I mean, he was constantly at work. He was so much at work that his family tried to take him out of a full meeting to eat. He says, you've lost your mind. You're so busy, you've lost your mind. And then he says this in John 5, 19, 20. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. Now think about the tense of that word. He sees. Not what He has studied, or what He has seen, but what He sees the Father doing. That's odd. How does he see the Father? He is in constant communion with the Father. In the middle of the teaching, he says, I'm only doing what I see the Father doing. In other words, what he's saying is, I see you, but I see my Father much better at this point. I live before the eyes of my Father, and then I live in this world. And he says this, For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise, for the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. Now, in this context, Jesus sees the Father because He knows the Father loves Him and He does what the Father wants because He knows the Father loves Him. If you're a Christian, that's your life. Because it means you're hidden in Christ, which means that the Father loves me with the same love that He loves Jesus, I think that the greatest stirring of Jesus' heart to constantly do what the Father does and be pointed to the Father is not so much I need to be perfect to earn a salvation for the people of God. I'm sure it was in His heart because the loving heart of Christ has many components in His love so to speak. But I think this drove him. 
more than anything else. This stirred him up because he knew the love of the Father towards him. He had seen it from all eternity past. He knew how much the Father loved him. And he was constantly drawn to the Father. I want to know more of you, Father. Show me, Father. I want to speak only what you speak, Father. I want to do what you do, Father. In the midst of his temptations and hardships, as the book of Hebrews describes, Father, I don't want to do this. I want to do your will, Father. Because you love me. And I love you. That's the Christian life. It's a life filled with joy. Because you, if you're in Christ, you're loved by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with the same love that is in the Trinity. That should stir up our soul. That should make us wake up in the morning and say, I want to do your will, God. Because you love me. So many times we get stuck in this, what does he require me to do? What does he demand me to do? And we think secretly somewhere in our heart that we love ourselves more than the Father loves us. And so we get a train wreck with our own choices. Beloved, if I would start a series on the love of the Father, the love of the Son, and the love of the Holy Spirit towards His people, we'd never get to anything else. And we wouldn't be exhaustive at all. In a sense, we're doing that series through the Bible, isn't it? Oh, I want you to see this. I want you to catch what is going on here. This is not a beating over the head. You've got to do something you don't want to do, and I want you to do it because I want you to do it. Now, this is the call of God for you into seeing the love of the Father. If you would truly see the love of the Father, you would never disobey Him. You'd never move to the left or to the right. You'd only, if you'd seen that love, nothing else would be more precious to you than His love. You would set your mind on studying and following His love. And even the, the hardest task, if you had to sacrifice your life, would be but a small thing just to respond to His marvelous love. So how do we pray, beloved, without ceasing? There is no secret plan. There is no three steps here. Five ways not to do this and then six ways to do the right thing. There's only in the Bible the call of God to prayer. That's it. That's all you need to start this life of prayer. To believe in your heart. That God calls you to prayer. If you receive that by faith, as the Bible commands us, pray without ceasing, you will pray without ceasing. The call to prayer is really all we need when we receive it with an open heart. And let me verse this in, in Psalm 27, verse 8 and 9, that we started our service with this. You have said, Seek my face. What does that mean? Pray. Seek my face. Pray. And the response. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, 
do I seek and hide not your face from me? The Father says, come and pray to me. Come, pray. And our heart says, Lord, I want to pray to you, but, but never look any other way but me. I want to be constant in prayer and make sure that your eyes are always fixed on me. You know why it's in the Word? Because the eyes of the Lord are always on us. Because if this would be an endless repetition, wouldn't it? <clears throat> because then we could repeat verse 8. Seek my face, he has said. And I say, seek my face, don't turn your eyes away. And then he says again, seek my face. And then, he, and then we say again, I will, but, but don't turn away. And he says, I seek my face. Constantly seeking his face. And so the life of prayer is a life simply responding to that call. Okay, Lord, from now on, I'm going to enjoy and enter into the greatest privilege of all of life. This will be my treasure to seek your face. To have a life of seeking my face, of seeking his face. Beloved, it is a wonderful life, a glorious life, a worthy life for God. If you wonder, well, what's my gift? How can I help others seek His face? I, I, I wrestle with unbelief. Seek His face. Well, I, I struggle to know God's Word. Seek His face. And the light of His face will reveal the truth of God's Word. You must always, beloved, set your eyes upon God and marvel at His beauty. It's allowed to study the beauty and glory of God. It's demanded. It's urged. It's stirred up in your soul to seek His face. Begin the day and constantly throughout the day continue seeking Him. To know Him. Listen to what our catechism says. It says, first, we must pray from the heart to no one other than God. And then second, we must acknowledge our need and misery, hiding nothing, and humble ourselves in His majestic presence. And then third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. That He will listen to our prayer. That's the short version. Pray to no one else. Trust in no one else. Humble yourself in His majestic presence. I want you to catch those words of what they're communicating here. They lived in a time where there were kings and queens when they wrote this. A majestic presence is the idea of a palace that is radiating with the beauty and glory of whatever they could afford in that land. It was in the palace. But then on the throne sat the ruler. And if you were allowed in His presence, you didn't have to worry about life because it'd be taken care. But what they say is, you are allowed to be invited to the majesty on high to go before Him in humble prayer and to trust the promises of God. Beloved, pray and give thanks in all circumstances. Let me give, let me just close, because time flew away. Let me just give the closing of, of promises that come to those who, who pray constantly. 
I'll just read these slowly and then we'll pray. First of all, those who pray without ceasing will experience the grace and the Holy Spirit of God in a greater and deeper way. Secondly, those who pray without ceasing will experience constant communion with God. Third, those who pray without ceasing will see God saving the lost through the gospel. Fourth, those who pray without ceasing will find the power over sin within us and the old man losing that fight. Fifth and finally, those who pray without ceasing will see God more clearly. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to be, O Lord, in constant prayer. Father, I pray that you would reveal to my brothers and sisters here your heart and your purposes in calling us to pray. Lord, help all of us to be humbling humbling ourselves in your majesty on high. Oh, Father, I have not said enough on the promises that come with unceasing prayer. Lord, I pray that you would help my brothers and sisters and myself to discover the endless amount of fulfilled promises to those who seek you in prayer. For Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.